0: Log Talk Radio. Welcome to Focus on Albany. I'm Cynthia Pooler. My uh my guest today is John Sullivan. John is a former Democratic co-chairman of New York State and and John is here to talk about the legal troubles that Andrew Cuomo has found himself in. Boy, it's been <laughs> Quite a soap opera, and from what I understand, looking at the papers, it's just beginning. What do you think?
1: Yeah, um, who knows what the denouement will be, but, you know, Cynthia, I've always said that those who seek redemption must first uh, engage in contrition. You can't really have redemption if you don't have contrition. And we haven't seen that uh, on the part of former governors. No contrition. So uh, Uh I think it's going to be difficult for him to resurrect any political persona without admitting that you know what he did, in part at least, was wrong. You know, I'm I'm not saying that everything he did was wrong. Some things may have been misinterpreted, but the quantum of evidence
0: otherwise so you you know the Cuomo family for many years when andrew Cuomo got himself in all this hot water was it shocking to you
1: no (laughs) no um
0: i feel badly
1: for his family for his mother for his daughters it's an embarrassment certainly but you know they love him and uh They're going to stand by him, as they should. Uh, Again, I think um, I've always felt that there are really two sides of it. I've seen both, maybe three sides before. But there is a good side. Um, I think I told you before that when my wife was ill, she had a three-year battle with uh, uh, cancer that was a terminal form of cancer. You would call every once in a while. Every month or two, just to check in on her and say, how are you doing, you know, how oh, are the girls? And I'd come home, and she'd be on the phone, and I'd say, who's on the phone? She'd wave me away, and I'd say, who's on the phone? And she'd, and say, oh, no, phone? And she'd, she'd say, oh, it's just Andrew Cuomo. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's Andrew Cuomo, Subsecretary club secretary then, I think. But but he reached out to her uh, in, a, in a real kind of way, and I've never forgotten that. So there's the good Andrew Cuomo. But then there's the retributive end of Cuomo, and that's the dark side, and that's what's been showing most recently. And, uh, and that has not served him well in the long run. Yes, he put the fear of God in a lot of people and got some things done, and that's admirable, his accomplishments are admirable. But if in so doing you lose sight of everything else, then what, what, is he saying? what does it profit a man the whole world, he lost his soul. So, enters in the process. I would hope of regaining his soul.
0: Mm-hmm. So, um, when he stepped out, when he said, when he said he was going to step down, was that surprising to you?
1: No, because, because- I think he. He's, he's a good.
0: Because,
1: go ahead. I'm sorry. He's a good analyst of the reality of politics. He understood that by remaining, it was only going to create more problems. So he stepped down. And he the thought that maybe things would settle down, and then maybe make a comeback. And he may well yet. But as I said, contrition must predate redemption, and we haven't seen that yet. We'll see what happens with this city court case. I mean, it's it's incredible to me to think that the former governor of New York is now going to appear in the city court in Albany on to mean tax charge. I mean, Elliot Spitzer, for all of his problems, was never charged with anything. Why? And whether that's politically, partially politically motivated or not, uh, I, I really don't know, but it's certainly uh, damning, I'll say.
0: It, it, from my perspective, it is shocking. But, you know, had he not resigned, had he decided to run for a fourth term, I think all of the stuff that's happening now with the possible um, friction between Jemani Williams and Tish James, none of that would have taken place. Would you agree?
1: Um, You know, New York politics is contentious and factionalized and fractured. That's not the right word. You can say fracturized. Um, Uh It's always been... um, kind of a dogfight or cat fight, if you will. Primaries mm-hmm. are are the rule rather than the exception. You know, the Republicans, somehow they could pretty much get everybody in line. They whip the, the whip and everybody steps up to the plate. I think it was, it was Will Rogers who said, I don't belong to any organized party. I'm a Democrat. So mm-hmm. here we are, and now all of a sudden, we are definitely going to, not definitely, apparently going to have a primary. And uh, I was a little surprised by the, uh, the Tisha James announcement. The timing of it was a little odd, too, right after the governor's right. uh, summons to appear in court. And I think uh, I think she should stay right where she is, frankly. I, uh, I'm not going to be supportive I would not be supportive of for changing roles, um, and I don't think upstate would be on board so much. I think Kathy Hochul has demonstrated her uh, mettle to some extent. She'll have several more months to do so. There is a an advantage to incumbency if incumbency is properly used. And so I, I really think I agree with Jay Jacobs and any of the other county leaders that uh, got to be coalescing behind Kathy Hochul.
0: I'm glad you, you, you mentioned Jay Jacobs. Um, it's my understanding, and maybe I'm wrong, and you were the chair of the state state committee. Isn't it supposed to be the rule of thumb that parties do not endorse? until after a primary, but here it's before the primary, and the state, the state chairman is endorsing Kathy Hochul. It, does that go against the uh, rules?
1: Well, there are no rules. Uh, there, you're right that it's more often than not, uh, the ex- that's the exception rather than the rule where the party leaders come out and uh Endorse someone, but it's happened before. Uh, okay. There are a particular set of circumstances evident here that I think militate that I think militates in favor of what Jay Jacobs did. He's sending a clear, strong signal. Now remember, he was Andrew Cuomo's choice for state chairman. Uh, he called up to resign. Uh, he's been backed up by most of the other 62. Um, of the state county leaders. And uh, I just think that, uh, that Tisha James is uh, getting herself involved in something that she might better have waited, um, uh, not waited her turn, but she. Uh, I'm bothered by her jumping into the race so fast. I've also have been watching Bill de Blasio in New York. I mean, I know Bill de Blasio. I like Bill de Blasio. Bill de Blasio is in no way uh, a candidate, serious candidate for governor, nor would he be. But he thinks he is. <laughs> in, in, uh, right. in the politics, a lot of people think that they're really a lot more uh, well-liked or a lot m- m- more popular than perhaps they are. But that's why, I guess, that's why God made primaries. You test it out and see.
0: Right. Well, you know what? Bill de Blasio also threw his hat in the ring for president. He did not do very well, so I think yeah, it's you going know, to be I wrote a... I wrote a right. column several
1: years ago for the Daily News, in which I questioned his bona fides as a mayor. A mayor has to be a good gardener. You've got to know where the weeds are. You've got to pluck the weeds. You've got to fix the potholes. You have to take care of Mrs. Tree. Those are the kinds of things... Mayors do he's seems to be above all of that he's he's um, he's he, there's a disconnect between the job that he's supposed to be performing and his perception of it and he's uh, he's off on a different plane and uh, God bless him, but I don't think it's going to be a successful effort
0: so what kind of legal trouble can Andrew Cuomo get himself in. You know, well, I, I read re- I read recently where there's a possibility that if convicted he will be known as a sex offender. I think that's a little harsh. What do you think?
1: Well, the statutes were set up for a reason. There is a sex offender registry, and there's like level one, two, and three and the restrictions on your ability to move about are greater, the higher the level of of, uh, sex offender that you're classified. There's a state agency that holds a review of people who are convicted of sexual offenses and they classify, you have a chance to question the evidence and the the state uh, then makes a recommendation to the judge as to the level of sex offender registry classification. That's devastating for someone who's a former governor to be subject to the sex offender registry. But he doesn't get there unless he's convicted. So we'll uh, the evidence. Uh, we'll have to wait and see what the evidence is. He clearly is a presumption of innocence. Um, the trial, if there is one, will certainly be interesting. Uh, and if he's convicted, then you know he's in a world of trouble. But nevertheless. It's a first offense. It's a misdemeanor. I don't see him going to jail. But to talk about <laughs> to the bottom of a FUD, that would be one of the loudest FUDs ever heard in New York politics.
0: Now, if, if it came to a trial, would that trial happen in New York? I'm sorry. Yes. Would that trial happen in Albany?
1: Yes, unless somehow there was a reason to change the venue of the trial. You'd have to demonstrate that he couldn't get a fair trial in Albany. Um, I don't think that's the case, but, um, you know, venue changes, uh, venue change motions have often been granted to uh, present the case in a more neutral setting. Albany is the state capital, and he's Mm -hmm. the governor, and the governor, so, yeah, I mean, he's, uh, it's probably tougher in Albany to get a fair trial than it is in Cattaraugus County, for example. So I, I suspect probably there'll be a lot of motions, a lot of legal haggling. I don't think the trial will take place any anytime soon. It's a little okay. unusual that the charges were filed without consulting initially or uh, before. So beforehand, with the victim and the victim's attorney, uh, actually Andrew and Andrew's attorney, and clearly the district attorney. I don't know what. The disconnect is there, but that Mm -hmm. is unsettling. I have to agree. Mm
0: -hmm. What's your take on that?
1: Well, I don't know. Uh, I listened to Sheriff Apple's press conference. He said uh, it was pretty routine. They filed the papers. He didn't expect that immediately they'd be leaked to the paper, but they were. So he was kind of surprised by it, but I suspect there's more to it. Um, I mean, I'm not a conspiratorial theorist. Theorist. I hope that Letitia James had nothing to do with it. Maybe it's just happenstance that she announced the next day. But it's uh, it's enough to raise your eyebrows.
0: Can you imagine the jury pool if if there was a, a, a trial in Albany? It Can would I be substantial. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine it.
1: I mean, uh, you know, I've tried many dozens of cases. There's something called the voir dire, which is part of the jury selection process. That's where the attorney questions the potential jurors to try to see if they have any disqualifying bias. The term voir dire is a French term that means to say or speak the truth. So I always used mm-hmm. to start out by saying, listen. We are here to find the truth. And if you have any reason to, to suspect that you are not able to push everything aside and speak the truth literally, then you're not qualified to be on this jury. Please tell me now, excuse you. And uh, some people would raise their hands and say, yeah, I just don't like the guy. Or I've read something about this in the paper or whatever. So it's it's a process of finding a jury of your peers that is not um, tainted in some way and Albany, yeah, I think that would be tough so I, as I said, there'll probably be a, a venue change motion and, and a whole bunch of other motions and then the question is how intent is the district attorney uh, in, uh, in prosecuting here? I mean, if there's a disconnect between the sheriff and the DA that's not good starting out the case mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: the DA is the one who has the jurisdiction to prosecute or to not prosecute. He could even consent to a, what's called an adjournment in contemplation of dismissal, an ACOD, which is often available for first-time offenders, to not bring something to trial, not convict them, but basically give them a tough slap on the wrist to say, look, what you did was wrong, but you're not going to, get you over the head with a uh, a hammer this time because it's a first-time offense. So we'll adjourn the case for six months, and if you don't do anything wrong the next six months, we'll dismiss it. That's a possible Mm -hmm. scenario here, I would think. Um, The DA has broad, broad discretion. and So if I were the sheriff, I'd be very uh, keen on communicating with the the DA. But, of course, I don't know what their inner – communications are.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, the, if my memory serves me correctly, the DA, who is David Saras, was on the Marlin Commission.
1: He was. And, you know, I was just, uh, when you called, I, I was looking over some old articles. Uh, I wrote an article in the New York Post on October 14, 2013, it was called Why Albany Hates Sunlight. And basically, I was opining about Albany's ever-productive drapery factory, seeming to work overtime and adding new shifts to grind out curtains with more opacity to keep out the sunlight. That is, the governor's move to disband the then Moreland Commission, which he had appointed. Mm-hmm. Said, so what's a governor to do when sunlight, which is a very powerful disinfectant, when too much light is, is coming in, well, then you order the drapery factory to work overtime so that the cloakery will, will continue. And ultimately, the Mormon Moreland Act Commission was disbanded, but only after they began to look at the governor himself. Well, that was mm-hmm. eight years ago. Eight years ago. In
0: Right. Between right.
1: Now, we've seen Joe Prococo be convicted his right-hand guy, mm-hmm. we've seen other uh, concerns raised about his being uh, opaque in terms of the writing of his book, uh, in terms of the listing of the number of people in nursing homes who died. You know, that's why, you know, sunlight is a very powerful disinfectant, and I think that Governor Hochul is on the right, right page uh, in terms of being open and forthright
0: you know thinking back on recent thinking back on recent history um Donald Trump kind of like he knew that he could do all the womanizing he wanted, wanted to and he joked about it and he didn't think that was a big deal and of, from my understanding there were accusations made that were far more serious towards Trump than Cuomo. Do you think that the legal mess that Andrew Cuomo finds himself in is a little over the top?
1: Um, No, but I would agree that there's a double standard. I mean, all of the things that Trump did, I think, in the aggregate are much worse than whatever Andrew was accused of. And look, at Trump is still the uh, leader of his party and leading the big lie, you know, has people mesmerized. I think for a Democrat, that's harder to do. Um, We tend to be uh, more insistent upon truth and openness. And uh, Andrew is not uh, Donald Trump. However, there are certain aspects of Andrew's Persona, political persona the Narcissistic aspects of it That are similar to Trump's And the control need to be Such a control freak Uh, But It's harder for a Democrat to do that Than it is a Republican
0: Okay Um, Ultimately If The worst possible scenario The Very, very worst What would be the outcome for Andrew Cuomo?
1: Well, I think he could be sentenced to a brief period of incarceration. I I doubt that would happen because it's a first-time offense. More likely than not, he would be placed on probation. He would then be classified in terms of sex offender scale, and that's pretty damning. And pretty much that would be the end of any political career, one would think. Um, on the other hand, I think he still has the potential for redemption, as I said. But mm-hmm. without contrition, I don't see that happening.
0: So you use the word redemption. Could you ever yeah. see? Could you ever see a scenario where Andrew Cuomo bounces back, gets elected yeah. again, and does great things?
1: Uh, yes, I could. I think that when he went through the divorce with Kerry and he when he challenged uh, Carl McCall in the primary for governor and okay. basically flat on his face and that race, and he pulled out before the primary actually occurred. That was the low point of his career. He, uh, he did exactly what I'm saying he ought to do. He apologized to people. He said, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. Uh, there was great contrition. He reached out to a number of people. A number of friends of mine talked to me about what uh, Andrew's uh, calls to them were uh, were like. And he he sought um, redemption, but he was contrite. He recognized that he had gone too far. And so he did redeem himself. And look at the, his career, got a second wind. Maybe there's a third wind. But after a certain amount of time, you run out of you run out of the wind doesn't fill your sails anymore.
0: So, Chris Cuomo, his brother, has taken a lot of heat because of, of you know his interactions with Andrew. What's your mm-hmm. what's your view of Chris Cuomo? Do you, uh, do you know him personally? I don't. I don't. Uh, All
1: I know is he was, I would say he was the father's favorite son. And I know that because uh, the father, in effect, told me as much in a conversation I had with him one time in New York. I was trying to talk about Andrew and the governor would say, oh, yeah, but what about uh, Christopher did this? Christopher did that. And I'd say, yeah, Mm -hmm. but Andrew, blah, blah, blah. And then he'd say, oh, yeah, but Christopher. I don't know Christopher. Uh, I watch him on TV. He's a good commentator. He's uh, empathic. He's smart. He's, you know, he's, he's got a lot of the same qualities his dad had. Um, I, I have nothing, you know, negative to say about him. It's his brother, it's, it's, so it's very hard when you're a journalist to remain. I mean, to cover uh, your own family. I always have mm-hmm. a little problem with uh, Reverend Sharpton being on the television as much as he is as a commentator mm-hmm. because. He's an activist. You know, you can't really report on yourself. You either, in my view, you either be, you should either be a commentator or a participant. But you can't really be both and be um, effective. And so where where Christopher maybe has a bit of a hill to climb is that, uh, you know, it's going to be tough to distance himself from his brother. But we'll see.
0: One way, one last question before we go, and this is conjecture on your part as well as everybody else. Had Mario Cuomo been alive today? How devastated would he have been? How what? How devastated would he have been?
1: Well, I think he'd be very devastated, as as I'm sure... Matilda and the girls are as well, but you know, you love your son, you love your father, you love your your brother. And, uh, I, I, th- I think he'd give him a swift kick in the rear and say, look, and mm-hmm. get out there and apologize for what you did. Even if he didn't mean, mm-hmm. him. um, he's not here. And so he's certainly, uh, in the, in the mind of, uh, I'm sorry, someone's knocking at the door, so I've got to go. But uh, too bad he's not here, but his words are still here. His example is still here.
0: Okay, so John, right. uh, I'm sure we'll talk again as this whole drama unfolds. You've been Thank listening you for- to John. Thank you. Thank you. We've been ta- I've been talking to John Sullivan, former state Democratic co-chair. I'm Cynthia Pooler. This is Focus on Albany. If you like this show, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Thank you, John. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a great day.